Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder of Metsmerized. With me tonight is D.B. Firstman, author of Hall of Name, Baseball's Most Magnificent, Magnificent Monikers. My apologies for slightly botching that. Uh, really, they put together such a fantastic book here. D.B., how are you tonight? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Um, uh, having been as lucky as to, to get an advanced copy, and, and I really just enjoyed the book so much. Um, I was telling you before we, before we started recording that I guess as a fan of just uh, baseball in any form, even just the smallest minutiae, uh, this was just a, a joy, just full of treats. Um, I giggled. Uh, there, there's an entire chapter of dirty names. I mean, you can't go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's some, there's something for everybody there. There's there we've got we've got players from the 1870s. We've got we've got suicides. We've got murders. We've got alcoholism. We've got debauchery. We've got there's there's something for everybody in this book. <laughs> really, it's great. And um, I noticed in the first few pages, not only did you have Jason Stark of the Athletic with uh, do the forward, which was just terrific, but I noticed that you published this book yourself. Uh, yes, I did. Um, it, what was the, that the st- process like? <laughs> it was. Um, I really wanted to write this book about seven, six or seven years ago. I had a, bl- I have a blog, Value Over Replacement Grit, and one of the regular features on that blog was to uh, profile baseball players with great names. So I wrote about, you know, Doug Goosh and um, Billy Joe Robidoux and Briss Lord and a few others. And I thought it would make a really interesting book. And I brought it to a couple of um, niche publishers, the kind that would normally do small print, you know, small press um, baseball or sports books. And they said, personally, we love the topic. We don't we just don't think it's going to sell. And so I sort of tabled that idea for many years. And in 2018, um, middle of 2018, I was getting a little antsy to do something a little more creative in my blog or a little something different. And I got the idea to write the book. And by this time, the world of self-publishing had really exploded. Um, the, the tools that one can access to publish their own book have become um, much more uh, readily available, and you know it, it's not it's not a, a cheap uh, project. It, it does t- take a little bit of a outlay of, of funds, but you can publish your own book if you. Um, I, I had some friends in, uh, in the business. Let's put it that way. I had some help. Um, for example. The, um, the the layout of the book itself, the typography and the, you know just the way the book is laid out. I happen to have a friend out in California who does this kind of thing for a living, and he was only so he was just you know so happy to work on the book for me. So it helped to have that. And I found I found the guy who did the cover. I, I put out an I put out a a bat signal on on Twitter just looking for an illustrator of of book covers and that's how I found the illustrator on my cover. Oh, and it's fantastic. I mean, it, it has you know instantly you think uh, you think of Cooperstown and it goes with the with the name of the book, the Hall of Name, the Hall of Fame. You see the connection there, and just really, I mean, it, it, what a fun fun read. Um, just you know. It, 
I couldn't imagine all the work that goes into it, but with, with your blogging past and I guess, um, I guess a foundation to build off of, did you find, I, of course, I think it'd be a silly question to ask if you learned anything new because nobody could have this much information it's just tucked into the, nook, the nooks and crannies. Of <laughs> um, you know, did you find yourself, I, I guess, did your research surprise you on a somewhat regular basis? Like, did you continuously find new things? Did you kind of change your routes as you were going through it? Well, I, I, I set out to, uh, part, part of the issue with researching this book is, um, uh, more, more than a few of these names are players who really had no careers to what, whatsoever. They had one game in 1895. They had a cup of coffee in two, in, in 1974. Um, they, you know, they really don't have, there's no books written, there's no books written about, um, you know, Ferris, Ferris Fane or Briss Lord. You know, there are biographical profile books written, like I said, those niche, niche, um, baseball books written by, you know, that are published by like McFarland and University of Nebraska Press. Mm -hmm. So I bought every one of those baseball biography profiles books that are sort of encyclopedias of, 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 you know, players that you would never have known before. And also I consulted with a, um, a on, I'm a member of Sabre, the Society for American Baseball Research. Yes. On the Sabre, on the Sabre website is the Baseball Bio Project, which okay. is a, 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 a all volunteer effort, basically, Saber members research and write up profiles, biographical profiles of players, owners, executives, managers, anybody related to baseball. And on that website, there are over 5,000 different entries of, of different people, you know, and painstakingly researched with, with end notes and, and citations and things of that nature. So for a lot, for a decent portion of the biographical and uh, you know, trivia portion of the book. Um, when I couldn't find stuff in like newspapers.com or ancestry.com, I relied a lot on the baseball bio project. So those were basically my main sources. It was either books of biographies or the baseball bio project. That's just so cool. I mean, you know, as baseball fans, you know, we, we, we're into research, we're into statistics, it's what we do, and oh boy, this just seemed like a treasure, a treasure trove of, of just these, these, I, I can't even put a word to it, just uncannily great stories, like, oh, I, I, Tony Suck is stuck in my mind right now, I can't get Tony Suck in my mind. <laughs> but, uh, Dorsey, um, oh boy, I wish you could remember Dorsey Riddlemoser. Dorsey Riddlemoser. Yeah. He had one, like, I guess one mediocre kind of delve into the majors, but you, you, like, just, you told this guy's story and now he's going to be stuck in my head forever. Like, it, it's just such a fun, fun read. It, it, it really, it, 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 it was entertaining. It's, you know, I, I couldn't imagine the, um, the level of, I guess, the sense of pride and the sense of accomplishment seeing you work kind of be out there. Uh, it's just, it must be such a cool feeling. It's a very cool feeling. It's my it's my first book, and um, I, you know, there there were there were struggles along the way. Um, you know, I wanted to write about certain people who had great who had greater interesting names, and there really wasn't much out there readily available on certain people. And I didn't have the 
I didn't have the budget to necessarily go up to Cooperstown and spend, a, you know, weeks in the Hall of Fame library. Um, so, you know, there was some sort of, there were some limitations to, to the uh, creation of the book, but I think, you know, I, I was reasonably smart about, you know, how I was going to spend my money in terms of getting the book together, in terms of how much I was going to spend on the cover and how much I was going to spend on photos and, and things of that nature. Um, and so I, I think it, it was, I, like I said, like like I said to a bunch of friends, half the battle of the book is writing it, and then the other half is getting it to press. <laughs> so you know, you have to write the manuscript, then you have to edit the manuscript. You give it to other people to look over. They make comments, they make suggestions. You tear it apart, you put it back together again, uh, and then, for example, we released the advanced review copy. Um, in early February, and then lo and behold, or late late January, and lo and behold, um, a pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers in the early early to mid nineteen eighties named Narciso Elvira, <laughs> Narciso Elvira, who, who I profiled in the book, was murdered in his hometown by vigilantes, and. We, you know, I, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? This is a, this is like a major thing that should be mentioned in the book. So after the after the advanced review copy was already sent out, I made changes to the manuscript and we we put in the details of of that crime, and then we sent it, then we put it put it put the book out, you know, to press, and you know, so now you can read the the full story of Narciso Elvira, including his untimely demise. Uh, just so so cool. Now um, you were able to, I guess, pinpoint best day by WVA, which is win probability added, of course, for those unfamiliar. But um, I guess digging into you know these guys' careers, who, who you said really didn't have a a whole ton of time in the majors, at least some of them. I mean, uh, Nap. Um, uh, I I still have, I, and you also have the correct way to pronounce these names because I still can't can't pronounce Nap Lajoy. La Lajway. Lajway. I apologize to to Nat, but um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's it's certainly easy to you know to pinpoint high points of someone uh, of a player of that stature uh, of his career. But going to someone like Smeed Jolly, um, you know, to to be able to pick up, uh, I guess, high points or low points of, of any of these per- any of these players, it must have been, um, I guess, a challenge at times. Uh, yeah, there was many an occasion where I basically stated either we don't have game logs for these people because they played in the 1800s or their careers were so short that they appeared in maybe a handful of games. So probably their major league debut was probably their most wonderful moment, uh, on the ball field. For example, um, one of my favorite players uh, to write about was a fellow for the Baltimore Orioles in the early 1980s named Drungo Hayeswood. And Drungo had a career that lasted, ooh, five or six games in one season. Um, his, his career highlight, I noted, was his Major League debut because he, <laughs> he made it to the majors, and that's, that was basically it. He, he didn't hit... You know, he couldn't hit a curveball. He, he, you know, it, but 
he made the major leagues, and that was more than than could be said for a lot of other uh, a lot of other you know prospects and and minor leaguers of the time. Now I saw uh, a former Met made the list. Uh, Ambria, Am- I, I still say it wrong. I say it Ambrio, but that's not right. It's Am- no, it's Ambiorix. Ambiorix Burgos. Um, uh huh. And really, it just I mean, it, some of these it just it baffles me how how you could just I mean. I'm sure you had logs. I'm sure you had research. I'm sure, you know, you're picking out new ones as you go. But, you know, you have to create profiles for all these people. And, again, you have your sources. But, boy, the creativity to go into this, I just really have to tip my hat. This is just such so, 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 a, a fun, fun time. Uh, you know, it easily digestible, uh, informative, all that fun stuff. I'm yeah, just and I, I think part of, part of what makes the book accessible is that you can pick it up put it down, pick it up again, read another profile, put it down. There's no, there's no, you know, sequential order to the book necessarily. I mean, we, we group the, we group the names into different categories and alphabetize them within categories, but there's nothing to say you can't just pick up the book and read one or two profiles and then put it down again. It's not like you're going to lose your place in the book. I have dog ears through my copy already. (laughs) <laughs> and it's cool. uh, and, and yeah, it's we also time, we like, also we also have other other Mets in there. We have Lastings Millage. We have uh, Angel Pagan. We have we have a few others that that did suit up for the Mets from at one time or another. Yeah, and I guess especially during during these times when uh, all, most of us all we have is time right now. Uh, yep. really, it's just a, a very very nice way to to pass the time. Um, what are your thoughts? How are you holding up during all this? Well, um, fortunately, I can I can do my job from home. Uh, today was my first day working from home. Uh, I work for the city of New York, and uh, I was basically able to log in remotely and do my work from from my from my desktop. Um, it's it's really weird, you know. You get on the subway, and it's it's. You know, it's a ghost town. Um, you walk, you walk the streets that would normally be packed, and uh, everybody's. You know, half the people are wearing masks. They're they're not stat- stopping to chat with each other. They're just going from point A to point B, and it, the, the streets are pretty empty. Oh, the, the supermarkets are just a, a madhouse. You know, oh, and then you you have to be there at the right time if you want to if you want a loaf of bread. Yeah. So. Uh, it's an it's a very uh, precarious time in our nation's history. Um, uh, you know, of course, this is a world issue. It's a it's a pandemic, but you know, we we in the United States, you know, this is this is something kind of un, uncommon for us. We haven't we haven't had a countrywide, you know. Um, I don't want to say influenza, but you know we haven't had a countrywide health scare like this in quite some time. I mean, there was SARS, there was the bird flu, there was H1N1, but this, this, you know, this, this seems to be you know of a whole different, a whole different level of of um, severity. It, it, it really is, and it, it, I guess the scariest part is the. <laughs> the uncertainty of really not knowing what's to come, and I guess the, the severity of uh, we see it around the world, but it's just it's surreal. It's hard to imagine this happening here, but it is, and we're in it, and 
boy, I wish we had baseball to, uh, <laughs> to get through it, but you know, all in uh, Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I've been like cruising MLB Network and and trying to find some old baseball games on 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 that station, or you know, the YouTube channel has has some has some the YouTube Major League Baseball channel has some games on there too. So yeah, they. But they uh, we, need, we need some. We need some real, real current live baseball, and we need it. We need it soon. Yeah, uh, the sooner the better. I believe uh, I saw South Korea's uh, baseball league is going to be back up and running in the next couple of weeks. So, okay, uh, we're going to have to figure out how to stream those games here. <laughs> we need. A, we need our fix. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, and DB, where can everybody find the book? Okay, um, it's currently available on Amazon.com. It's available at BarnesandNoble.com. You can you can go to your local independent bookstore, assuming they are open right now uh, during this uh, during this pandemic. Uh, you can special order it from the independent bookstores, um, and you can find me on Twitter at Dianagram D I A N A G R A M. That's Diana Graham on Twitter, and my blog is Value Over Replacement Grit. So um, the book is is doing well. It's uh, it's selling well, and it's for it, right now it's twelve dollars and sixty cents, which you can't beat. <laughs> so most certainly not. Yeah. Awesome. And um, you know what? I did have one more question to ask. Who is who is your favorite player in the book? Um. My favorite player in the book is um, Briss Lord. Briss Lord was the inspiration for the series of, of articles that I wrote for my blog way back when because, first of all, you have the first name Briss, which is short <laughs> for which is short for Bristol, but Briss, of course, is a is a uh, a Jewish ceremony. His middle name is. Robotham, R-O-B-O-T-H-M-T-H-A-M, which if you mispronounce it is Robot Ham, which sounds a lot, <laughs> which sounds a lot better because it's like a porcine cyborg. And then his last name is, his last name is Lord. Um, but even better than that, or the, the, the cherry on top is his nickname was the Human Eyeball, <laughs> which Apparently, uh, nobody can really pin down where or how he got the nickname, but there's speculation that it was because he had really keen eyesight. But the human eyeball is just—it's it, just an image that you cannot get out of your head. And so, Briss Lord is probably, like I said, he was the inspiration for the the series, and now he's the inspiration for the book. Well, really, just terrific stuff, and now the human eyeball is going to be stuck in my head for at least a week, and I, I'm kind of looking forward to it because, like you said, that's just such an odd thing to think about. But uh, I don't know if, if you're familiar. Back in the 80s, I think one of the Grateful Dead artists drew, like, a running eyeball, and now that's just yes. that's my head. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but really, DB, fantastic stuff. Uh, thank you for all the work you put into it. Thank you for the advanced copy, and, of course, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Excellent. And please stay safe through all this. And uh, during the season, once baseball kicks up again, we'll have you back. I would, I would really like that. Thank you. 
Excellent. Thank you again. And everybody, we'll talk to you soon. Let's go Mets. And uh, check out DB's book. You should have heard the links and check her out on uh, check them out on uh, on Twitter. Uh, of course, um, follow us on uh, subscribe, rate, review. Sorry, I got tongue tied there. And uh, we'll be adding the link to the Amazon page on the Metsmerize post when the episode comes out. So keep an eye out for that. DB, thank you again for coming on. Thank you. All right, we'll see everybody soon. Yeah.